My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other we're here. We've done it. We are all together. It is time for a little fairway roll. Ah, uh, my bar saving pals, my birdie buddies. Thank you for joining us here. This is the Ringers new golf podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by our good friends at Callaway Golf. Speaking of Callaway Golf, welcome to the family, Francesco Molinari. And by the way, the first guest on today's show, Francesco Molinari, he won at Bay Hill yesterday in his first start as a Callaway staffer after the round. Frankie Onion said, my first week as a Callaway player, happy to see the switch I made wasn't as crazy as some people thought. The clubs are good for me and I showed it this week. I would say so. He says it was the best putting ground of his career if he finished with a final round 64. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that putting ground and his acclimation to his putter. Of course, we've got Golf Social with Megan Schuster. We're covering off the proper way to characterize this player's championship. Not a major. As well as Phil Mickelson and his major calves. And, of course, uh, Verno is on. We make some picks. Epic flash pick of the week. And, of course, this week in Tiger Woods. But let's look at the first tee. Look who's available for us, waiting for us on the tee right now. None other than Francesco Molinari. And now on the tee, Francesco Molinari. Birdie buddies, it's an honor. It's a privilege. On the line right now, the winner of the just-concluded Arnold Palmer Invitational, as well as the reigning champion golfer of the year, Francesco Molinari. How are you? Hey, hey, hi, guys. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. 
Nice morning. Well, thank you for coming on today. Uh, congratulations on the win yesterday. My first question, how did you celebrate last night? <laughs> there wasn't much time to celebrate. I had a, a cheeseburger, and then it was time to, to drive up to Sogra. So in the car, getting phone calls and, and text messages from everyone. Yes, of course, with, with a lot of congratulations. Uh, we, we saw the classy toast that you gave at the end of the, the press conference. It looked like there was an Arnold Palmer, the drink, inside that cup. Was there anything strong inside there as well? <laughs> it was vodka, yes. It was, yes! It was, it was a strong, but <laughs> it was only, only a sip. Only a sip. Yeah, the only, only a sip. You had a lot, a lot of business to handle. It is one of the curiosities with the way that the tour... Uh, schedule is set up this year. There's really no time to celebrate. You're going right from one of the most prestigious tournaments on the calendar, the uh, Palmer Invitational, right into the players. How are you going to, you know, I, I, I'm sure you were up late last night and then up again early today. How are you going to get your rest and in, in your practice before the players starts on Thursday? Uh, yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be, you know, trying to balance a few different things but yeah didn't didn't get a lot of sleep last night as you can imagine but you know there's there's a couple more days so try to get some good rest in the in the night coming and and get some quality practice done in the next couple of days uh obviously the the game is in pretty good shape so just about getting the the energies back up and and being ready for Thursday yeah so you mentioned the game being in pretty good shape i want to ask you about that you have historically been kind of a slow starter um you have not you know your wins have not tended to come at the beginning of the calendar what do you attribute your your early success to at this stage of the year uh here this year it's hard to say i mean obviously there's still a lot of confidence from from what i did last year and what i achieved last year and that has a carry over effect into 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 the new season and then probably just you know the the fact of having a quite long off season in you know in golf terms uh gave me time to kind of switch off and relax and then started working in after christmas and just building up through the weeks and and you know starting the the year in in probably better shape than than ever yeah so what did you do during your break uh, well, I had before Christmas, I had uh, four or five weeks off. So, you know, just spending time with the family. And obviously, there was after the success of last year, there was still media commitments and, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Sure. And then after after Christmas, she was uh, kind of the real start of the preparation. And just, you know, with my team in London, gym, range, putting. A bit, a bit of everything, some some hard work at home, and and I think that allowed me to to show up here, you know, like I said, in in good form and ready to to play and to perform, even if I I hadn't played a lot of tournament golf in the last few months. Yeah, so you, um, it was very noteworthy. You talked about it in in the uh, broadcast and interviews yesterday. You changed equipment this off season as well, and then came out yesterday and had uh, one of the all-time great putting performances 
uh, not only at Bay Hill, but in, in your career, you said it was possibly the best day putting you ever had. You didn't miss a putt inside of 15 feet. You had 25 total putts yesterday uh, for, yeah. for a total aggregate of like 150 feet. What is the process like getting comfortable with, in the first place, a new putter? Uh, yeah, well, I was I was fortunate because the the transition has been very easy. I mean, the the guys that Odyssey and and Toulon have been really amazing in in you know giving me what I needed. The putter shape is is the club head shape is very similar to what I had last year. Oh, sure. With the with the addition of of the straw club shaft that has been uh, a great addition to to my bag. Uh, obviously, putting is not really a an air of the game where usually there's there's a lot of innovation and, and technology, but uh, you know obviously we're able to come out with this shaft that definitely gives more stability to the to the club face, and you can feel the difference. You know, especially on longer parts, you you can you can feel how the club face is more stable and and it's easier to to deliver it where where you want it uh, uh, impact. Yeah. So I also I don't want to be disrespectful to your long irons. Or the driver, uh, we we do need to mention you had a hole in one this week on on Thursday. I I think with a four iron, is that right? Yeah, yeah, correct. A four iron, yeah, in a in a cold breezy morning, so <laughs> not really when you expect to have a hole in one. But yeah, just just came out flush straight at the hole, and yeah, we were fortunate as well to to see it going in. So a great moment to to start the week. Yeah, well, a, a little bit different from the previous hole in one that you had on tour, which I think was out in Phoenix at the Waste Management, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. That that time there were a few more people around the hall, I would say, yeah. <laughs> and a lot more beer, I believe. <laughs> yeah, a lot more beer thrown at the, at the green <laughs> as well, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of Long Iron, the, the, the folks on the broadcast yesterday, the TV broadcast, I'm sure you have not had a chance to watch that or hear anything about it. But they were very, very taken with the iron that you hit on 16 um, into the green. What what iron was that? Yeah, it was a six iron. Uh, six iron. Slightly, oh, my God. Six iron, yeah. Slightly into the breeze. And it was a, a pretty good yardage. Cause I, I, I knew I could hit it flat out and, you know, it wouldn't go too far past the hole. So... Uh, yeah, kind of just aimed middle of the green, trying to to draw it a little bit, which you know comes quite easily when when you're trying to hit a ball flat out. And uh, yeah, came out came out great. Uh, almost almost pitched it in the hole. And, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I I wasn't sure whether or not you knew how close it it came to actually going in the hole. The thing that was so impressive, though, was was and what really impressed the, the guys on the broadcast was like the confidence of the swing, and the, the you know the the confidence of the rip at that stage of of the day, um, how, how you know just comfortable you 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 appeared to be. You you obviously you know you're there already. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a case of you know trying to to stay aggressive. The that's really the the last good birdie chance you, you get at Bay Hill because then 17 and 18 are two tough holes so you know it was the time to, to be aggressive and trying to get a four or even a three out of that hole to then manage the, the last couple of holes uh, but yeah especially when you're when you're coming you know from by a long way back like I was yesterday 
you don't know what the leaders are going to do in the last few holes. You just need to, to keep pushing and, and, you know, keep keep trying to look for birdies. And that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. So let's talk about 18. Speaking of looking for birdies, that approach shot that you hit into 18 was obviously like the the sensible, safe shot to preserve what you'd already accomplished. You got yourself to 11 under um, as you're standing in the fairway on 18, and it looked like you made a, a, an affirmative decision to hit the ball relatively safe. You did not hit the ball at the pin. As you walked up, did you think that it was a makeable putt? Uh, yes, because, you know, obviously we've all seen Tiger make maybe a shorter version of that putt, but, you know, that sort of, of line and, and Rory last year and uh, yeah, the second shot, I just had a bit of, a, of an awkward uh, yardage and, and it was in between a wedge and a nine. And I, I I mean, I should have hit a flat out wedge towards the flag if I wanted to hit it close, but it didn't seem like the, the right time to to take a risk like that. And, and my caddy was very good at, you know, giving me a clear plan saying, you know, just hit it to the uh, fat part of the green and, and leave yourself a part and then. You might make it, you might not make it, but you know we don't need to uh, lose any shots at this point. Yeah, I, I love that. So you gave a, a fist pump that uh, after you you drained the putt. It was the longest putt anybody made on eighteen yesterday. It was a world class fist pump. It looked like you channeled your your inner tiger. But let me let you speak for yourself. What what was you know the the you were obviously feeling it. You were pumped up. Uh, what was that? A tiger fist pump that you went for? <laughs> no, not really. No, I mean, I didn't. I didn't plan it or anything, especially because I wasn't really expecting to 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 make that part. But no, you know, it's just the, the emotion of the moment. Obviously, I thought eleven under already had a chance, but then making the part and getting to twelve, I thought was was giving me, you know, a, a decent chance at, at getting the hands, getting my hands on the trophy. So. Yes, sir. You know, it's just a, the raw emotion of the moment. Obviously, it's a, a long week, a long day. You you do a lot of good work, and it's nice to see that last part drop to to give you a little bit more of a of a cushion uh, towards the other guy. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about you've been on a pretty great run <laughs> over the last you know twelve months. Three three tour wins, the reigning uh, champion golfer of the year. In terms of of nickname, I see on Instagram it's it's Chico, which is the Italian word for what? Well, how'd you get the nickname? Let me ask that. What's the Chico nickname? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, we say Chico in Italian. Chico, and it's, uh, pardon. It's just a, a way to to shorten you know names like Francesco, Federico that are quite long. Ah. And just something that that I got when I, when I was little and and it's stuck and and uh, it's quite a popular nickname in Italy and obviously, yeah, he's <laughs> stuck and he's still there. I want to work on on something for, for our American audience. I mean, you you really captured the imagination of, of the, the U.S. audience here with this stretch of, of uh, performances. We, we love watching guys come out and grab tournaments by the balls and, you know, 62 here in the Washington, D.C. area in the middle of the summer, staring down Tiger and Jordan Spieth uh, at Carnoustie last year, walking into Arnie's place and going 64 on Sunday. I want I want to come up with a nickname for you 
if you'll indulge me, I want something that really captures, like, you are a cool customer. You you have, do you know the American, you know, stones, you know, onions? You're, you're familiar with that? Frankie Onions? Frankie Stones? Have you yeah, heard yeah. of the, the Yeah, so, I mean, what yeah. about, well, let's do, like, uh, Frank Frankie Sepolia. Is that, is, can we do that? Is that, is that the, you know, something <laughs> yeah, like that, sounds, maybe? Sounds, sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> Frankie onions. I mean, Frankie's the boy. It's, it's, I, I'm going to try and make that stick because I, I'm telling okay, you, when you get hot, now look, I want to, I want to brag on you a little bit here before I let you go because these bogey free streaks, when you're going off and winning these tournaments, are, are kind of epic. At, at the BMW, when you were with uh, Rory last year, you didn't bogey once in the last 44 holes. Here in the Washington, D.C. area, that's where I'm based. You didn't bogey once over the last 28 holes. Then you went to Carnoustie. This is an all-time record. I mean, I don't know how you're going to top this. You didn't bogey over the last 37 holes, and then here you come in at, at Arnie's place down at Bay Hill. No bogeys over the last 28 holes. When you get going, you get going. So, uh, you know, what? what is that feeling like? You just, you've talked about your confidence. How, how have you been able to, to just, like, keep it together and keep those bogeys off the card? Uh, yeah, well, I, I got asked yesterday as well, and I think it's just a, a, a kind of a testament to to my mental approach. You know, it's just uh, when you when you get in that groove, it's it's obviously a great feeling for me, and, and yeah, you just you know enjoy the moment, hitting shot by shot, and, and feeling really in control of the situation, and and uh, I think that the mental resilience, you know, to to Hitting the shots without being being scared and then just you know knowing that you can deal with uh, with pretty much whatever comes your way. So yeah, that's, that's what makes the difference. Well, look, I'm gonna. I have one last question for you. I'm gonna let you go. Uh, the players is right around the the corner now. Your game is in form. So obviously, I'm gonna pick you for the players. But if I had one more guy, who who should I think about as another guy? I, you're at the top of my list. Who should be second on, <laughs> on the list of guys that I pick for 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 the players coming up this week? Oh, it's not an easy one. Yeah, it's a, it's a, obviously a great field, and uh, you know a lot of players with a chance. I would look at someone who's had a decent start of the of the year and and who's got a good record over here. So I would say probably Ricky Ricky Fowler. You know, he's won oh. here before and. He's won this season already, so I put my money on him. I like it. Two two handsome men, uh, Frankie Sapoya, <laughs> Francesco Molinari, and Ricky Fowler. Hey, hey, Francesco, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. See you soon. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And now on the tee, Megan Schuster. Yo, Shusty. What's up, house? Time for some golf social. There have been a handful of exciting things, as always, but you just clued me into perhaps the most exciting thing of the day. We're taping this on Monday, March 11th. The Players' Championship is upon us. Please, please share with me what you saw on, on the interwebs. Yes, so we've had some Tiger health concerns as of late. Uh, he pulled out of the Arnold Palmer tournament due to some neck strainage. Uh, it was a little bit concerning, you know, with the Masters looming and many other tournaments, but Tiger rolled up to the Players' Championship today with just an iconic fit and said that he was feeling great, looking good. Uh, he came in with, like, his classic Nike polo, 
He was wearing shorts house, which was uh, a new look for him, along with some some very dad-esque sunglasses and a backwards cap. (laughs) So what color was his shirt today? The shirt is white today, along with the the hat. So a lot of matchy-matchy going on. Got a big, like, watch on, but it was just great. It was from the image, you could tell he was really feeling it this week. Is this like from the Nike dad athletic line? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think you could safely say that. I'm the demo for that. So, I mean, uh, I'm going to have to check this out. Mm-hmm. Now, he he has been, it seems deliberately, rolling into places with a certain, you know, he wanted, he's setting a tone. Like, he showed up at Eastlake on the Sunday before he went out and won that sucker um, last uh, August in, or September um, in, you know, the the backwards hat and, the, and a... And a uh, collarless shirt and everything and, mm-hmm. and the internet went nuts for it. So this is this is just the vibe that he's given us these days. Yeah, he's had a lot of backwards hat action lately, which I'm not sure if that's just something that he's really leaning into or if it's a new thing for him, but it's great and I really love it. Dad Athletic by yes. Tiger Woods. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the players. Tiger drove up. We we have we can all breathe a sigh of relief. It seems like he's gonna play. Uh, Phil and his giant calves look like they're going to play. Indeed, and and uh, the 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 players' championship is really out there, wanting to to set in people's minds that something big is about to go down. Right? It is. It is. And you know, up until this point, I kind of thought it was just a brand management thing. You know, they're trying to hype people up, trying to get people invested in the tournament. Uh, but over the weekend, one notable player sort of bought into it as well. Uh, on Saturday, Charlie Hoffman posted an Instagram story. He was at TPC Sawgrass at number 17. He posted a picture of it, seemed to be warming up for the players uh, this weekend. And he posted a rather controversial caption house. It said, first major of the year. Now, this is something that TP, that the players championship has been trying to get going for a while Uh you know, including itself in the major conversation. Broadcasters have seemingly bought in. NBC included it in a, quote, golf's biggest event graphic uh, earlier this year. Um, but after Hoffman's Instagram story, golf Twitter kind of went off on the post. Oh, oh, oh do tell. <laughs> Just sort of a generally negative sentiment. Uh, a lot of people thinking, you know, the branding got forced on him or, uh, you know, that they're making too big a deal about this. And I have to say, I sort of agree generally with the reaction. Um, I came up with a bit of a conspiracy theory on first seeing the post. Uh, So we can talk about that a little bit later. I sort of have talked myself out of it after looking up some stats and things, but just generally like the promotion of this tournament, I think we need to talk about house. Yeah. So it's not surprising. NBC is the partner for this event. They put it on, uh, you know, the, the television broadcast they've been doing. So for decades, um, it is indeed a literally a made-for-TV event. It is the PGA Tours showcase. And in that respect, and I want to give a hat tip to my homie Pat Mayo at the PME, who we are definitely going to have on Fairway Rolling at some point because we, we love Pat Mayo. We've been buddies for uh, a while now on, on the Twitter and otherwise. But he made the observation, I think it's a great observation, this is golf's all-star game. Mm. And not only is it is it golf's all star game, but f- from his perspective, it's the best all star game in sports. And I I like that angle. I think he's right. It's an incredible field. It's an impeccable field. It's at a venue that is um, extremely friendly for spectators. 
and extremely uh, you know good for television. They have this this in, this uh, 16, 17, 18 stretch that is intended to produce the possibility of wild swings and scores and you know um permit somebody coming from behind to to you know birdie 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 mm-hmm. their way on into the winning the tournament um it does it is a an important event it is not anything that should ever under any circumstances begin with the m word i mean no. that's an out that's an out and out sacrilege and you would never in a million years not one fan of the game of golf would say that this event preceding the genuine M word, mm-hmm. the Masters in April, the first major of the season. Nobody is confusing this thing with that thing. No. And I think that's what has gotten so much outrage this time around. It was one thing when, you know, prior to it moving back to March this year, uh, when people were calling it or throwing around like golf's fifth major, that seemed a little more general, like kind of a little less offensive to like, you know, the more stringent of the golf community. But there's no way like you cannot call this the first major because the Masters will always be the first major. The Masters will always be the first major. So 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 says Schusty, so says House. That's exactly <laughs> right. So my conspiracy about this Charlie Hoffman thing, I was thinking about it in the morning. And I was thinking, you know, Charlie, having never won an actual major, despite being like the first round major champ. He is um, the first round major champ. Yes. They'll always bet Charlie Hoffman to lead the first round. The first round. he There is no one better and no surer bet than Charlie Hoffman. Um, but, you know, he's never won an actual major. So my thought coming into this was, OK, maybe he's trying to like legitimize this tournament trying to get it, you know, thought of as an actual major, thinking, okay, maybe this will be an easier one to actually win, you know, maybe pad his resume if he does take one home. But then I looked up his finishes house, and he's never finished better than 22nd at this tournament. So I think I talked <laughs> myself out of my own conspiracy theory. Yeah, I'm not so sure. This tournament is hard. Like, it's it, it, it the winner is just the guy who's playing the very best that week. Like, even folks that come in hot, for whatever reason, can find themselves on the other side of, of of the cut at this event. And, you know, it seems to be a venue where it takes a lot of expertise. Like Webb Simpson's breakthrough last week was really, I think, uh, as much as anything attributable to who he had on his bag, his uh, caddy, Paul Tesori, who's a local uh, in, in the Ponte Vedra, you know, St. Augustine area mm-hmm. and knows the ins and outs of that, of that joint Unlike, uh, you know, unparall- in an unparalleled way, um, that was the thing that really helped Webb and Webb, you know, uh, putted extraordinarily well um, over the course of the week. So it's, this is a, an event where, um, you know, it's really hard to just take trend line, form line of guys year over year because you it's easy for guys to, to miss cuts. Phil will miss mm-hmm. a cut here. Uh, um Rory McIlroy, not afraid to miss a cut here. I mean, guys no. can come in. Phil Mickelson, not afraid to miss a cut here. <laughs> it can it can happen to the very best. So um, I, I don't know what to an- anticipate. The one thing I will say, this transition from May to March is, is intriguing. Now, I've mm-hmm. had the good fortune of actually playing this venue in March, like the second week of March a couple years ago. And the great John Wood of Golf.com in the Tour Confidential conversation that the he and a, a group of writers conduct each Sunday evening made the observation about how the prevailing winds in March mm-hmm. are pretty different from how the winds behave in May in this portion of Florida. 
And the winds that he described are exactly the winds that I encountered, which is a left to right hurting wind mm. on 17 and the same true on 18, which drastically changes the clubs that guys are going to have in their hands and what guys are accustomed to. Um, it's a lot harder. It's a longer, it's, it's a nine iron or possibly an eight iron on 17 and guys that are, are comfortable, have been comfortable in years past hitting irons off the tee on 18 might have to hit three wood and then some guys will hit driver. So it's going to be a change. Now I, I, I do want to, uh, make an observation about this, this transition, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Shusty, speaking of transitions, <laughs> did you see, did you see our boy Frankie? Molinari, Francesco Molinari. I'm calling him Frankie Stones. I asked him Love if I, we could have permission to call him Frankie Onions. Uh, <laughs> and I, use, I asked the Italian word sapolia. He, he's a he's a good sport, so he agreed. Good. He transitioned into Callaway Equipment <laughs> this past week. His first tournament with uh, an all Callaway bag was this past uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational. He shows up Thursday and hits a hole in one with his his four iron mm-hmm. uh, Apex Pro. Uh, he shows up Sunday, burns down the house with a sixty four, and he says he talked about how he drove the ball beautifully, how he likes the ball he's playing with, the Chrome Soft X golf ball, and uh, he used that 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 ball and that four iron for his hole in one on Thursday, and then on on Sunday. He nearly had an albatross on 16. He had a six iron in his hands. Um, a beautiful Callaway MB18. That's a muscle back. Six iron. And it hopped. It took one hop that looked like it could have gone in. Uh, but pretty easy transition for our boy uh, Frankie Onions. Yeah, two shots better than anyone else on the field on Sunday. I would say that is extremely impressive, especially with the field that was playing this weekend. So uh, we talked about Phil. Phil was not in the field on the, <laughs> on the weekend. And so he, was, he, he gave like a curious reaction to whether or not he was going to play in the Players' Championship. He'd previously said he was going to skip it. Uh-huh. He said that when he was in Los Angeles. And then they interviewed him after he missed the cut in, the, in a bizarre, uh, you know, he, he didn't play well on, on Friday. But he also had this shot that was not out of bounds. He tried to hit right-handed that ended up out of bounds. It was a miracle shot. It's a fun thing to sit and watch on repeat for 20 minutes if you're that kind of masochist. Yes. But then he said, I, it depends on the conditions over there. Uh, and and I, I'll, I'll see, you know, I'll make up my mind based on the conditions. And then lo and behold, what do we see, Schusty? You know, Phil is just, he's really been on one over the last week or so. It's, uh, he's had a week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it, Year, let, let's go all the way back years. to the yeah. Let's go all the way back to the U.S. Open. It's uh, he is he's really had a few great like man of the people moments that I think we just need to kind of break down. Hit me up. So first was you know in his opening round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Phil hits a shot over a netted fence, seemingly into someone's backyard. That's what it looked like to me. I you know don't know who lives there, but ball was lined up right against the fence, so. As we discussed, he had to take a right-handed swing with his left-handed club, hits it directly into the netting of the fence, gets caught in the netting, though Phil, being extremely relatable, you see him, like, if you watch the video as many times as I have, you notice that he looks off into the distance, like, expecting to see his ball flying back onto the course, not realizing that it actually just went straight up into the netting. This is what was so beautiful about that video. This is why you have to watch it on slow-mo. You have to watch it on repeat. (laughs) Him looking up. His instinct to look up and find the ball flight in the air 
when the ball is in the net six inches in front of them is just an all-timer. It's a, I mean, it will become a, a, a fail meme for golf nerds like us. Yes, it's it's just incredible. And then, so this is where you really have to just extend the video because then he has to go and pick the ball up. And after he does so, he sort of high kicks his legs back over the fence, like almost like he's a rockhead or something. Sort it's of unbelievable, unbelievable. Very similar to like the Miz and Main commercial spot he did last year where he was dancing and doing all the leg kicks. It was like very reminiscent of that. So that was just great on Thursday. Then comes Friday, uh, during his round, uh, Samantha Marks of Golf Channel tweeted that a fan on the course kept calling Phil dad. Uh, it happened a few times, enough so <laughs> that Phil finally turned around at one point and straight up asked the guy, he said, quote, I don't get it, what's the story here? So Phil, you know, had to address being called dad on the course a few times this weekend. What was the story? I, I don't think there was much of a story. I think the guy just, you know, wanted to call Phil dad. And people are nuts. That's the story. People are nuts. Yes, exactly. But it was a very fun, very self-aware Phil that, you know, even though he wasn't playing very well, he was uh, really living it up. Well, I love the picture that he posted uh, on the Twitter yesterday where he made the point about missing the cut the week before Pebble Beach. And, you know, don't don't sleep on his chances this week. <laughs> we, we, we're going to have him in. And he talked about he likened the rough at, at uh, TPC Sawgrass to the rough at Augusta. Yes. I mean, just go do you, Phil. <laughs> I mean, so uh, lo lots to like. Mm -hmm. uh, Tiger's back, and he's walking in on a Monday um, in dad athletic. Yep. Uh, Tiger pimp mode. Phil's showing off his calves on Sunday and comparing the rough at, at, at the <laughs> players to the rough at Augusta. I mean, we're, we're lined up, Schusty. Yeah, we're ready. We're really ready. As usual. Thanks, Schusty. Thanks, House. Talk to you again. As always, our thanks to Megan Schuster, Schusty, another great golf social. We are going to get into it with the homie Chris Vernon in a second. But a quick word from our pals at Zip Recruiter. Birdie Buddies, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today... Hiring can be easy. You only have to go to one place to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Rollin, R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology. So they're scanning thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job as applications come in. ZipRecruiter is analyzing each one and spotlighting the top candidates so you don't miss a great match. So effective at ZipRecruiter, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, listeners of Fairway Rolling can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland, that's ziprecruiter.com slash R O L L I N. Ziprecruiter.com slash Roland. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And now on the T, Chris Vernon. Yo, Verno! Hey, 
How's it going? My dude, we got close. We got very close this week. We're <sighs> I I really feel like we're getting we were honing in on the season, my dude. Well, last week when I was on with you, I said we just need to avoid the one Tommy Fleetwood round and we just couldn't avoid the one Tommy Fleetwood round. Um you I texted you uh, to your immense credit on Saturday before the round. And I said, look, if Fleetwood's got a chance and you warned me and you said it is the absolute worst position to be in Verno. You do not want Fleetwood in first. And there he was in first going into the weekend. And then the Fleetwood round was Saturday. And there's just a bridge too far to recover on Sunday. I mean, at least at least I was kind of happy that Molinari went so ridiculously low that it was unachievable anyway, probably. Yeah. Um, but if we can just get rid of that one round, Tommy Fleetwood's going to be winning all kinds of tournament house. You know who th- who feels that way? Tommy Fleetwood feels that way. <laughs> now, he, he 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 says, and I'll, I do want to be. Uh, slight deferential, and, and and I I chat about this a little bit with Megan Schuster. Also, he did catch a little bit of a bad break in the sense that he played uh, Saturday afternoon in the in the final pairing with uh, our boy Keegan Bradley, and they caught that golf course at its like probably its peak difficulty over the entirety of the four day tournament. The combination of like how dry it got. The, the green speeds, the crustiness of the greens, the fact that the greens wouldn't hold, and the way the breezes were behaving. Uh, he said, you know, it was like a U.S. Open experience for him out there in terms of not being able to miss and not being able to get up and down from misses. And and just from from what I saw of it, what I watched uh, Saturday afternoon, I, I think he's telling the truth. Well, and he played, he, he played well, generally. Uh, Throughout that entire tournament, he ends up with another top five. And, you know, I know we're going to be looking forward to the players. He played well there last year. So it is a matter of time. It's just whether we end up picking it at the right time. I have this overwhelming fear that I picked him last week and I'm not going to this week and that this is the week that (laughs) he finally gets over the hump and ends up taking it home. Well, I, I do want to pat us on the back a little bit. We got to give ourselves a little proppers. We we uh, you gave out Fleetwood and Leishman. Leishman had a uh, was right on the edge of a top twenty finish, uh, and then I gave out DeChambeau as my winner. That didn't work out so good. He he ended up it, it just inside the top fifty. But we did talk about some top twenty bets, and we hit two out of three of those. Lucas Glover and and Charles Howell the third. Both came through, and and I'll be gosh darn if Ian Poulter, if he could have just birdied one of those three down the stretch, Poulter was right there to to uh, jump inside the top twenty as well. He was one stroke outside. He finished uh, tied for twenty third. So if you if you you know, it wasn't a full on. Uh, if you bet all those those guys, you 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 lost money. But there was you know, I think we're trending in the right direction. Well, and. Now, looking ahead to this week, I was reading this morning that uh, there's a lot of reasons to like DeChambeau, and I was like, oh, of course, right? You (laughs) pick DeChambeau, I pick Fleetwood, and now this weekend, 
they'll probably be like they'll probably have to play in a playoff or some crap, knowing that we picked them last week. That 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 would be fine. Now let let's start off though, as we do, Verno, with this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. <laughs> So, so he's back, Verno, uh, and not only is he back, I, I had the the fortunate uh, experience of chatting with with Megan Schuster. She saw, I don't know if you saw this yet. He rolled up to the players today in in one of these these tiger outfits. He's been posting. He showed up in shorts, a uh, 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 hat on backwards, some old, some crazy glasses on. Uh, I mean, he's just doing that that uh, tiger dad athletic thing. I can't love it more. <laughs> play the part. Play the play part. The, I know it. I mean, that's that. That's it. And, and if you go through all of the uh, previews and so forth, now it's early. It's only Monday. Um, but the, you, you're not seeing his name as a name to look out for in in, uh, in any of these publications or so forth. I I I mean, why don't why wouldn't we like t- Tiger this week? I think it's because of uh, the fairway hit number, which a lot of times when it comes to the players, they're talking about fairways hit, percentage of fairways hit, and that if your number is not good in that particularly uh, in that particular category, that you shouldn't be considered a favorite because you're really going to be up against it. That's the only reason that I would think that's true. The other thing is, obviously, he had to pull out last week. And so there's always a concern where, because we don't know, and we don't know how, you know, the next thing will affect him. And so until, I think it's always hard to pick a guy when, number one, you got that fairways hit number, um, of which I, I do not believe he's extremely high. And secondly, you don't know, health-wise, how he is going to react. Are we going to be able to tell if it's really bothering him? And so it's almost like, all right, let's see him play around uh, since he did not since he did not feel well enough to play last weekend in a week's time. Is he all fine now? Or is it something that's going to linger and bother him? Because, um, you know, much like a back thing, neck things are they're rather serious, typically. Um, and so I think it's just kind of a wait and see, and that's why people don't want to pick him. Yeah, I like that. I like where you're coming from on this, and and it really does set up for a glass half full, glass half empty kind of perspective on it. And and everybody is feeling sore from the whooping that they took with Jason Day pulling out last week. Jason Day, who yeah. had an MRI at the beginning of the week uh, that that nobody knew about. And then went out and tried to play, and after six holes, pulled himself out of the event. That does, you know, put a real uh, exclamation point on the risk that that you might take if you want to jump on somebody who deliberately didn't play the previous week because of a physical issue. Now, if you're glass half full, like I am, I would say I would take confidence from the fact that Tiger came out. He pulled himself out of last week because. I think he was playing too much golf. Like just based on the past two years and you know the the instances in which he played a bunch of consecutive weeks and the toll that it took on him physically in those previous years. And then I, I just didn't understand why it was that he uh, went ahead and played in Mexico. 
other than his role as the number one exporter of the game and his opportunity to, to make a, a debut appearance at that golf course in Mexico and how important it is to the World Golf Championship to have the most famous golfer on the planet show up down there, all of which are admirable, admirable I can't say admirable, Berno, admirable uh, <laughs> uh, uh, attributes and reasons for him to go down there and play but it, it it meant that he was playing all these weeks in a row. He was set up to play four weeks in a row before he pulled himself out of uh, the Palmer because he played at Riviera, and he looked pretty damn good at Riviera for various stretches. Then he played in Mexico, and then he was scheduled to play the Palmer, and then he scheduled to play the players. That's just too much golf. Like, we haven't seen, you know, the last time Tiger played all that amount of golf consecutively was at the end of last season, and he was completely burned out, and he went and stunk at the at the Ryder Cup. It was just too much golf for him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about too much or too little. And the only reason I say that is because he seems to be handling it rather well. We have not seen him burn out and look. But to your point, he pulled out of something with an injury. I, I, I'm just saying, like, it's not like he's gone out there and like miscut because it feels like it's too much. I think he's played rather well when he has played. But, he, you know, you got to real injury history that's happened over the course of the last five to seven years. And once you have to pull, you know, he didn't pull out cause he was too tired. He pulled out cause his neck hurt. I see now, now that, that that's part of my glass half full. I feel like, uh, the, the neck thing could be, of a, a, a subtle way of, of talking about fatigue because you know, it, it, it'll look at my advanced age. I've been dealing with a little bit of a, neck. if you sleep funny one night, you might have to wake up with that physio tape. You might have a little bit of a, a pinched nerve or something. It doesn't take much <laughs> at, this, at this stage of the game to get out of sorts. And the other side of, of, of it, the, more, another one that goes in the category of glass half full, we, we all know what Tiger's uh, gearing up for. He wants to be in tip-top shape for one event and one event only, and that happens to be in Augusta, Georgia, in, in less than a month, which is just a beautiful thing. So him, him finding, you know, uh, something wrong. It, it reminds me of the, uh, as you as an NBA guy, as the season winds down and teams are, are really digging into their tank, they find all kinds of reasons for their best players to not play 10, you know, knee tendonitis or something like that. So Tiger finding something that just didn't feel, you know, good to him in his physio makeup for one week that was going to have the effect of giving him, a break and give him some rest. I, I'm I I don't necessarily put that in a bad oh, category. So that's a very interesting theory, House. That there's really it's not nearly as uh, I shouldn't be as concerned about the neck thing because maybe he was just saying the neck thing, not necessarily to cover something up. It, not, not that his neck didn't hurt him at all but it probably wasn't necessarily as major as something that would typically hold you out of the tournament that if it was the Masters, or for that matter, if Arnold Palmer was still alive. Yes. Are you saying that if Arnold Palmer was still alive, Tiger Woods would have played last week? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, well, you know, <laughs> well, and if Tiger knew it was like a, one of the last couple chances to play while Arnie was yeah. still alive, you know what I mean? I think Tiger would have been yeah. out there. Okay. Yeah, so I think it was strategic. And I'll tell you what, yeah. when you when you sit down and look at a board with that has odds 
on a Monday. Uh, these feel damn near unprecedented. He is available right this second at 25 to 1. You're not going to get oh. Tiger Woods at 25 to 1, especially if he plays well this week. You're not going to get him at that number for the rest of the year, Verno. Doesn't that scare you, though? The, the no, guys I, in the uh, desert, as they say, usually know more than us. This is a value opportunity. This is the time to jump <laughs> in. You, we're, we're, otherwise, you're paying that sucker premium. You you get them at 12 to 1 or whatever because you have to pay the Tiger tax along with all the other dummies that just want to put a bet in and say, I bet on Tiger. You are not concerned that the guys in Vegas may know something about his deck that the general public does not. <laughs> I, you just heard my articulation of what I think is going on with this okay. neck. I think he's uh, all right. I think I'm rooting for him to be all right. I know that much. Me too. All right. Well, let's 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 go ahead and and, and get into it a little bit now. We're gonna uh, do our epic flash pick of the week. And before we jump in there, Verno, did you know that I, that that the guest on today's episode is none other than Frankie Molinari, Frankie Onions, Francesco Molinari. The, the 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 winner of the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the reigning champion golfer of the world at the at the moment, you know, with the British Open title on his around his belt. Now, Frankie Onions, Berno, had an incredible performance with his driver yesterday. We know how great he putted, but how about these stats? He was fifth in driving accuracy, 12 of 14 fairways and he's very comfortable in just a short transition period of of playing this driver because he's getting high ball speeds and that's coming from Callaway's innovative flash face technology Verna which was created using artificial intelligence which is what I'm about to use I'm going to use some AI and I'm not talking about uh, Allen Iverson I'm going to use some AI on this this pick here, but Callaway, the most PGA Tour driver wins of any brand and the most worldwide tour wins of any driver brand so far in 2019. I think we're set up to make some hot picks, Murno. I think so, too. And shout out to uh, Molinari. He, he certainly was not the favorite yesterday. In fact, when I looked at it live, um, the only two choices were... McElroy and uh, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think those are the only two choices uh, that I saw were McElroy and Fitzpatrick. I mean, he wasn't even listed on that uh, right there at the beginning. Uh, so went super low yesterday for sure, and uh, that was a good win, really good. Win. That would, I, that's the kind of win that that I know you like and that, and that I like. I like guys grabbing a tournament by the cojones. That's why I asked him for permission to give him uh, an Americanized nickname. He has an Italian nickname that's Chico based on like Francesco. They call him Chico. It's like a diminutive kind of thing. I said, well, you know, you, you, you keep throwing, putting your big balls on these tournaments like this. We need to give you, we need to give you a a proper nickname like Frankie stones, Frankie onions. You know what I mean? Frankie guts. Uh, and he let me get away with the Italian word for onions, which is sapolia. So we got, I'm, I'm doing Frankie sapolia. It doesn't ro- roll off the tongue, but it's a little bit Italianized. So he, he let me get away with it. We just got to work on it. We just got to keep you speak it into existence like LeVar Ball. <laughs> That's it. We're going to speak it. <laughs> Speaking of speaking things into uh, a existence, before we jump into our picks of the week. I do want to to repeat what we did last week and just talk about a couple guys that I'm interested in 
at, at top 20 plays because I think there's a little bit of value. Now, in that top 20 category, as we covered off last week, I want guys with plus odds. I want to get some return on the investment. So there's a whole bunch of dudes that are, that are decent plays for top 20 that I'm not going to touch, including uh, uh, Tiger and Ricky and Brooks and, and Frankie Molinari, Frankie Onions. Uh, Roy McElroy, all those guys, you have to pay odds to get them in the top 20. But there are a couple names out here that are available right now for top 20 plays that are plus odds. Uh, and, and a couple of them I, I'm, I'm liking quite a bit because they're in the in order of magnitude uh, coming up on two to one odds for a top 20 for some really classy uh, players at, at this event. Now, one one guy uh, that I'm looking at right now, I have him pulled up here, that is available at uh, plus 200 exactly. And I went, I, I rode with him last week. I'm riding with him again. Ian Poulter available at exactly two to one right now. Um, we know that 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 he has a track record. He's in form. He finished outside, just outside the top 20 this most recent week. But, you know, a whole string of, of worldwide performances inside the top 20. I'm willing to forgive him last week. I think he's going to remember how comfortable he feels around this place. And he's also not too far from home. So I'm liking Poulter at two to one. That's one top 20 play I'm going to put out there uh, uh, t- today. Now, uh, w- w- one guy available at plus not quite two to one, plus 165, Paul Casey. And this is just a, a, a pure trend line play and a guy that I know can keep it inside the ballpark. He, I'm putting him in at, at plus 165 to top 20 just because of what we've seen out of him uh, uh, tournament-wise so far this this season. I mean, he, he's just got a, too many uh, top 15 performances this year. He has a nice string of made cuts. Uh, so I'm going to do a little one on, on Casey. Those are my two top 20 plays right now do you have anything in the top 20 all right give me uh so i don't have the top 20 odds in front of me but you know my favorite golfer on the planet who's not named tiger woods is my beloved harold varner the third who got a top <laughs> 10 here last year i love took it a run at it last yeah. year um so i know he can play this course he was right there on Sunday last year and was able to stay uh, and get a top 10 at the players. What do I got on odds for top 20? This is great. I'm joining you on this one. HV the third available at nine to one plus 900 oh. for HV three. Oh. I'm joining you. I, where'd he get, where'd he, I think he was seventh last year, wasn't he? I think he was seventh. I don't have this it pulled up right now. Yeah, this is one of the tournaments where he absolutely killed it. Last year, now he just uh, he just missed the cut. Uh, uh, was plus seven um, and had the one uh, the first bad day uh, this past week. So you want to talk about somebody well rested house? Yeah, he didn't play on Saturday, we, he didn't play on Saturday and Sunday. We uh, like this. He, he, cle- he cleaned out. He cleared out some cobwebs that way. There you go. And he's so a well rested guy who I believe got seventh last year. Um, had a real chance at a top five at the players last year. So now turn around where I know uh, he can play well on this course. Yeah, I love nine to one. That's outrageous. Nine to one. That's unbelievable. Now, I just want to mention 
It's it's a Monday recording for you and I. One other name I want uh, to do some research on before I give it out for for a top twenty finish is Martin Keimer, who uh, is another horse for the course. He's available right now at five to one odds to finish in the top twenty. And I like I he, I had an eye on him for quite a bit of this uh, uh, API event. Be- just just I wanted to see what kind of form he was in at Bay Hill leading up to the players because he you, you know he he's uh, really done he obviously he's won it but he's also around the hoop quite a bit so i'm i'm going to do a little more research before i bite down hard on him now i have one more pick before we jump into our actual win it winner selections we got to give a tip of the hat we talked about him frankie molinari is available right now as a top 10 play so if you're a form line kind of guy and you feel like frankie can come in and recharge after uh, collecting all the accolades at Bay Hill uh, this week, he's available right now at better than two to one odds as a top ten play um, for 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 the players. How do you like that one? I do simply because yeah. uh, I mean, listen, when you're hot, you're hot, and so we just saw him play yeah. so great, and I think it's totally reasonable to think that he could turn around and have another fantastic tournament. Um, okay, yeah, that's not that that like. It, we're we're talking top ten here, right? We're not talking that's about top winning. ten. Yeah, that's right. All and and T yeah. ten counts two to one odds on that. I like that one, uh, and that that one is I am giving out. Okay, so let's I'll let you go first. Well, let let's hear your selection or two for potential winners for the Players Championship. Okay, so you got all these guys that are uh, obviously outstanding players where the odds are not that great. Um, as I was going down the list, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you um, I'm going down the list of the odds and I was like, damn man, Fleetwood's that big of a long shot again? And so <laughs> there was part of me that wanted to go back to the well, but I have now come to terms with the fact that I'm just not going to get it when it actually does happen. Um, yeah. I will root for him to do it, but I'm staying away from him. Though I was, I still thought he was really good odds again uh, this week. You've got this weird deal where I don't know how these best guys are going to react playing together. Because when they announced the groupings yesterday, yeah, I was I was blown away. You're going to have the one grouping, which is Fowler, Kepka, and Speed, and then you're going to have another grouping where it's going to be Tiger along with Dustin Thomas and Justin Rose. Right? Like those are yeah. two of the groups, and so. I never particularly know how which of these guys is going to really stand out. You know, uh, many times it can bring the best out of these guys when they are playing with other elite level players, and then sometimes you 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 know you overthink that, and actually some of them start pressing once they see the guy they're playing with is three under through three holes, and maybe they don't. Maybe 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 they do some un- uncharacteristic things uh, because they're always you know, right. They're always the farthest away on the putting green. Yeah. Um, so I just I don't know. I, you know, you feel like man, that could really bring the best out of speed that he's paired with those guys. Um, uh, but on the other hand, I just I cannot trust it. Um, and especially with somebody like Jordan, who just he's got to prove it first. The guy when I was searching down through these names terms of like how he's grouped and how he played last year and i just think it's probably a horse for the course thing and i think is a guy who's like right on the cusp 
of breaking through is uh, Xander Shafley. Oh, I, love him, I do. You just stole. You just stole one of mine. Now let, let's Did let's really? let's comp- Yeah, well, that's great. I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, let's compare okay. you, you share your view on why, and then I'll share my view on why, but that's good. We're, we're in a, we're in agreement on one name here. Go ahead. Okay. I just think that number one, I'm seeing who all these guys are paired with. And so many of those big dogs are paired with other big dogs. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, it felt like at the end of last year. And then if you remember the very beginning of this season, he was just out of his mind. Um, what tournament was that? It wasn't Canada because Canada was the one with DJ. Oh, you're talking what about Hawaii. He kicked off the season. It was the first event of 2019. Yeah. 62 or no, uh, uh, 61. I'm going to mess it up, but he, uh, 62, I think. Okay. It was, okay. When I, yeah, all right. So when I said the very beginning of the season, I didn't realize the actual first tournament of right. the season. He was awesome. So I have been kind of keeping my eye on him since since that time yes. um and it just feels like finally like you know and i haven't picked him in these other ones or rode with him uh but he was so good in this tournament last year and it felt his like debut was, by the way right? the first time he ever set foot in the joint he tied for second well and webb simpson was very good i mean webb simpson needed to be outstanding to win that thing last year yeah he had expert on his bag yeah, I mean, he was gonna. He, Webb, uh, if he wasn't, if he was not so good last year, Xander was gonna take that thing home. Um, and so I remembered that at the very beginning of the season, you know, we kind of keeping track of what he's been doing so far, but never felt like, all right, this is the one. But given how well he played there last week, but beyond that, he, honestly, if I would have looked and he was like, whatever, like ten to one, fifteen to one, I wouldn't want any part of it. His odds are way long, considering how well I think he can do this week. And I get it. I mean, loaded field, but what is he, 30-something to one? Yeah, I, I see him at 28, which means he's available in some books probably around 33 to one also. I don't only, right. I just only pulled up one book. But look, uh, uh, in addition to all the observation you just made, he's finished top 25 or better in every start uh, after winning uh, the event in Hawaii. He's rested. His last start was in Mexico, so he hasn't yet made his way out here to Florida. So he's going to come on out. It's a place he's obviously comfortable. He went 68, 68, 68 71, 67 last year, Verno. Uh, we know he's in good form, four cuts in a row, and here's the thing about Xander that makes him a value from my perspective. This brother loves a big event. He loves to be on television. He loves it when he knows the eyes. He's got two t- two finishes in the top ten of the U.S. Open. He was in inside the top five. He was he tied for second last year at the Open Championship that, that Molinari won. And you know he's got a Tour Championship out at East Lake on, under his belt already. It, when the uh, when the TV cameras are on, Xander shows up. So I, I like that one quite a bit. That's the one. That's what I'm laying it down on. I like it. it I like odds, it. The odds were the odds were long. The odds were long, and and like I like I always told you, I always put a little something on HV three anyway, because I'll be damned if he ever wins one of these big tournaments. I'm not on them. So, <laughs> and this is actually one that he could perform well on. Well I'm joining in. you on the top twenty uh, with HV three. I'll I'll tell you right now. I have two names. This is going to be a risk reward 
uh, uh, venture for me this week. These are two like huge names that you rarely see available at these prices with with their track records. Brooks Kepka at this moment is available at twenty five to one. He uh, had ma- he made eight cuts in a row before missing the cut. Something about missing the cut last week has really uh, produced a value opportunity. Brooks, I'm telling you, I'm staring at it right now. Twenty five to one. Uh, this is going to be his his fourth event in four weeks. So in that respect, I think him missing the cut at Bay Hill last week, another dude who needed a little bit of a rest, even though he's a young horse. I don't think it's the worst thing that he missed the cut last week and comes out a little hungry for this tournament. I will remind you, I mentioned this with Schusty. This is the dude that shot 63 on Sunday at last year's Players Championship after taking four months off with a wrist injury. And in the three years leading up, tied for 35th, tied for 16th, tied 11th. It's Brooks F. and Kepka available at 25 well, to 1. Daddy like, daddy is on that one. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this. I, I had no idea. I, I was shocked when you said 25 to 1. Number one, love the big tournament. If there's a problem or a knock on Kepka, of which he has completely copped to, it's that he gets bored. If it's not majors or big tournaments, but you are going to have a massive stage um, this weekend being at the Players' Championship. So it's one that they all take seriously. The other thing, I always like the tournaments where his buddy and workout partner, Dustin Johnson, <laughs> in the tournament. It's a great he, point. It's like they, no, they have this, and, and, and Johnson has been obviously out of his mind. Um, but, you know, considering they're always around each other, they love the bragging rights between each other. I actually love the fact that Johnson has been so great and he is in this tournament because there's nothing that Kepka relishes more than taking it to him or be able to beat him. So the fact that DJ's in this tournament, I love. It's a great point. And, you know, I think that they have a routine when the two of them are in tournaments in terms of their. Uh, workout regimen. Like I think they're in each other's company for a good portion oh, yeah. of of every day in the in the run up. They're the physio work as they get prepared. I think they might even share meals and stuff. Like it provides like a, a a bolstering comfort to each of them. And then you know we watched it last year at the U.S. Open. It was mano a mano uh, at Shinnecock between those two, and they were going through this this very thing. Uh, so I, that's a great point. I, I, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it. When there is a guy that you really want to beat, it's almost, you know, they have this, uh, you know, this, this rivalry where they talk shit to each other just between those two. And so it's, it's, it's different. Like typically you're playing against the field and everybody's got a score, but when the guy that you want to beat is the best guy, right. Yep. And that's, yep. And that's the bragging rights of it all. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't love that more. And I do think it brings out the best in Kepka. I do. It, it, it's the easier way to say he ain't going to get bored this weekend. Does not seem like he's going to get bored this week. I'm going to give out one more. Then, then, then we're going to go. Uh, and I'm giving them out just because I did ask Frankie Molinari if he had to make a pick. I said I'm going to pick you number one, Frankie. I got you at, uh, already on my list. Who's number two? Who should I be looking out for? And he thought about it for a second, and you know what name he came back with? Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler, Verno, oh. also available right this second 
at 25 to one odds. Again, it feels like kind of value. He's already won on tour this year. He just missed out on a playoff at the Honda, so we know he's in form, and he battled back. He damn near missed the cut at Bay Hill, but he battled back, made the cut, and then was, was started trending a little bit uh, yesterday. He was four under through six or seven holes, and then he kind of fell back a little bit, but he hung in there in kind of a, a noble way at, at the uh, Palmer Invitational, but his, his comfort level at this venue is uh, legendary. We know that he loves playing here at TPC Sawgrass, and I think you're going to need a guy who who is comfortable with the ins and outs of it because of the difference in the course between when they've so many of this field have played it in May versus the conditions it's going to be in in March. It's going to take guys that are comfortable with you can take on you know a, a slight change in in the variables a change in the wind a change in the in the way the grass behaves a, a change in the way that the greens are rolling you have to be somebody that's a seasoned kind of veteran i think uh that can roll with those punches and at just at 25 to 1 again Ricky and Kepka both at 25 to 1 that's too much value for me i can't leave it on the table verno i agree with you i will i'll roll with uh both of those too i mean Listen, you gotta feel good. If if you if you're talking about Kepka, Fowler, and Xander, and we just roll with those, we just take those three. I mean, hell, okay, maybe somebody else wins the tournament. But if we're talking risk reward house, if just one of them comes through, given the odds, you're. I mean, you are made in the shade. Yeah, you you and I are thinking about this one the exact same way. Those are the picks we're giving out to everybody on the fairway rolling. This is Monday. We're putting it out there. If anything changes uh, in terms of whether guys uh, have to pull out or any reason, we'll update. But, you know, I, I, that, that, this is one I feel comfortable with, which means all three are going to miss the cut. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we probably just put the moose shot right on Inverno. Hey, and you know what's going to happen, right? The final three are going to be DeChambeau, Fleetwood, and Tiger. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, then we'll just be live betting. We'll just be texting live betting as usual, Verno. Thanks, thanks, my so dude. Good. Appreciate it. All right. You bet anytime. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you over the weekend. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.